Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking getting paid in a career you love with Eliana Goldstein. So unemployment right now is basically at all-time lows. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported last month the crazy low rate of 3.7%. That is really tough to beat. But that doesn't mean everyone is super happy with their jobs. Uh, A recent poll showed that around 60% of workers were planning to leave their jobs by the end of the year. That does not sound like a bunch of happy workers (laughs) to me. (laughs) And regardless if it's because they're not getting paid enough or maybe because the work isn't a good fit, we are so excited to be joined by career coach Eliana Goldstein. She just brings such a deep understanding of both the personal and professional challenges individuals face in their careers, and she works to empower her clients to discover their their true potential, just guiding them through personalized strategies that'll help them to achieve their career goals. Eliana, we're excited to talk about getting paid more. We're excited about maybe even touching on uh, what it might look like to shift or to pivot in your career. We're going to talk about all that more today. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about all this as well. Yeah. Well, I guess, how can I get Matt to pay me more, Eliana? That's my, (laughs) that's what we're excited. No. First question we ask everybody. A great job, Joe. Oh, thank you. Uh, The the first question we ask everyone who comes on this, this show is what's their craft beer equivalent? And that means well, Matt and I, we spend a ridiculous amount of money, some would say, on craft beer, but we're still <laughs> saving and investing for our future. We're being wise at the same time. So what's okay. that for you? What's that splurge item in your life? So I would say the splurge item in my life currently is skincare products. Um, I feel like as I've, you know, what I feel is getting older, I'm thinking more so just about aging and, and those types of things. So I, I definitely spend more money on that than I should. And I am such a sucker for Instagram ads. And obviously, they... <laughs> 
they very much have targeted me. It's just like I'm constantly getting ads for different skincare products and it's so easy to purchase on Instagram. And I'm just like, okay, we'll do another one. Let, <laughs> let's just throw it in the medicine cabinet. So that's it, definitely my problem. It's amazing how the algorithm knows us better than we know ourselves. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's kind of freaky. It, it knows our deepest, our deepest <laughs> fears and insecurities. Yeah. Exactly, they prey on those insecurities for sure. Oh, it's so funny. I mean, it's just the stage of life we're in. Like just before we hit record, we're joking about your husband and his need to go see his physical therapist. Yes. Joel just went and got a stretch session on because his hammies were we're, we're, barking, we're barking at him a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you we need can, that maintenance when you're totally relate yeah. Yeah, yeah you didn't think you would in your 20s but now you do <laughs> yeah it is crazy uh, happens overnight uh -huh. let's let's talk about jobs it, well career specifically like how did you become a career expert i guess we're gonna let's we, we kind of want to get to know you because we've recently yeah. met you what is it that led you down your current career path yeah so i i have a career path i'm sure that many people will be able to relate to this i prior to career coaching i worked in the ad tech industry for about a decade i was in ad sales and, you know, like many people, I graduated from college, marketing degree, was fortunate to find a job pretty quickly and sort of just climbed the typical career ladder. I was a marketing coordinator. I moved into account management, then into sales. And on paper, everything looked really good. But in terms of how I was feeling internally, I, I was feeling very disconnected. I was unhappy in what I was doing. But like many of us, I had always been told, you know, pursue the money, pursue the stability. You're lucky enough you have a job. So I sort of just kept pushing along that path. And at a certain point, I just said to myself, I cannot do this another 10 years, let alone another two or three years. And I kind of made a number of little pivots here and there, uh, all hoping that those would lead me to call it more satisfaction, more fulfillment, but it didn't really happen. And at a certain point, I just kind of said, okay, I need to really do a 180. And I, you know, just like went down this path of a lot of reflection and introspection and doing market research and just talking to tons of people. And that's what led me into coaching and realizing, okay, like this feels a lot more in alignment this feels a lot more, that just makes sense for me. So while I was still working, I went to a program to become a certified professional coach and then started the business as a side hustle, like many people do, and did it as a side hustle for a little bit. And then, you know, eventually went full time and now have been doing this full time for, for four years. So nice. it's been a wild journey. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, Matt started off uh, this episode and he did, he kind of talked about some of the current statistics, what's happening in the labor market. Yeah. And a lot of what we're going to talk about, do, it's not all about macroeconomic conditions and whether mm -hmm. or not you're able to progress in your career based on the unemployment rate or, or, or like, but it, it does impact our ability yeah. to job hop, right? Or to yeah. increase our pay. So I don't know what, what's your uh, read on the job market right now? What's your take on how things look for job seekers? Because they're not as good as they were. Conditions aren't as good as they were like 18 months ago. But those, yeah. that was also like unicorn sort of conditions. So what do things look like now? You know, I think like you said, obviously, it, things are definitely on their way to getting better. But I think at the same time, it's still it's still a challenging market. And some would say like, whereas, you know, call it 18 months or even for, before that, like a, a while before that, it was much more of a job seeker market, right? They had a lot more power and there was a lot more opportunity. Now it's kind of shifting, or at least for most job seekers, feels like it's shifting towards more of an employer market where they have more of the power. Mm. And as a result, they can be a little bit pickier about who they're going for, right? And as a result, it job seekers also feel like 
to a degree that maybe they have to settle. I can't necessarily be as, as picky or choosy as I was in the past. Maybe I can't negotiate as much as I have in the past. So it's definitely, it, it's challenging from that perspective. And I think people feel frustrated with that. I think just in general, you know, the pandemic has really turned everything on its head just in terms of how we hire people and longer interview processes, which can be frustrating. And and it just, a lot is different now. And, and again, while I, I think even from like six months ago, things are feeling better. Whereas I saw with a lot of my clients called six months ago, it was a lot more challenging to get an offer. Mm. And now I'm seeing that mm. turnaround. But I still think we're not in this place where, yeah, like it's like if I want a new job, I can put two or three months in and yeah. easily get something new, right? right. It's yeah. not that simple anymore. There's more equilibrium, it sounds like. Call it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, aside for like, I guess some of the obvious reasons that folks are unhappy, like, I guess, what have you seen from your clients that are making them unhappy with their job? And I guess I want to put this within the context of, of your job as passion, passion yeah. work, right? Like, have we, do you think we've sold folks a, like a, a bill of goods? That's not quite reality about loving what it is that you do for work? Or do you think that that's something that people should actually be aiming for? I mean, I'm a very big believer that you should love what you do. Now, that doesn't, I don't necessarily believe in the idea of the dream job. I think that is false marketing and that there's no job out there that's perfect and every day is going to be a pleasure, right? There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be difficulties. But they call I, it work for a reason, right? <laughs> exactly. They call it work for a reason. But at the same time, I'm a believer that we spend a third of our lives working. It yes. shouldn't be a place that's miserable for us every day, right? <laughs> that just seems terrible to spend a third of our lives being miserable and something that we basically all have to do in order to live and support ourselves. That's right. And the other third of your life, that's how you justify that really nice mattress. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It, our, our mind meld needs <laughs> to actually separate a little <laughs> bit. Two thirds not... of your life is awesome. <laughs> and then you just got to figure out the other yeah. thing. And again, I'm not, I don't try to be unrealistic that like, oh, you're you're going to be so happy every single day but i am a believer like i always say we should we should somewhat look forward to monday mornings right so i and you mentioned before you were talking a little bit about passions and this notion of you know passions and driving a fulfill, fulfilling career i think that's a very misconception big misconception i think that mm. pursuing your passions as a means to get more career satisfaction and fulfillment does not work. I think I talk a lot about career values as the basis for feeling fulfilled and feeling aligned because quite honestly, like I always give the example, let's just say you're passionate about food and you assume, okay, I'm gonna go get you know a role in something related to food in the food industry. Even if your manager is awful, if you're not able to be creative in that role, if you don't have a work-life balance when that's something that you value, you're going to be miserable no matter how passionate you are about food, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a lot of other things we need to be thinking about when it comes to career satisfaction. Ooh, can you dive a little deeper on the values versus passion thing? Because I think it's a really good, a really good point, and I think you're 100% right. Like you can do a job that you don't love if your coworkers are the coolest people on the face of the planet. Man, exactly. like that, that I wouldn't mind digging ditches with the best people in the world. Like I could <laughs> yeah. be really happy. So talk to me about the values versus passion thing just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about career values, we're thinking about things like creativity, autonomy, collaboration, adaptability, um, recognition, right? Really getting clear on what is it that I value most in my career and how do I make sure that I can find those values 
in a team, in an industry, in a company, right? Because again, as I said before, sure, maybe it helps to work in the food industry if you love working in the food industry, but if you're someone who values collaboration and you're working completely autonomously in that role in the food industry, it, you're never gonna be happy, right? So you really need to think about, okay, what is it that I value most specifically in my career? And sometimes your career values can look a little bit different than your personal values, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then figuring out, okay, how do I find an environment that is supportive and and that is relatable from from with those values? So does it come down to identifying some of those some of those values, some of the things that are important to you when it comes to what it is that your work should embody? Is that the first step? in determining if the job that you have is a good fit. I guess what what I'm looking for is, I was curious to see if you could give listeners any like symptoms or red flags to look out for, for Mm -hmm. them to know that, hey, maybe it's time for a new job. Is it just the mismatch of those values with what it is that your job is actually delivering? So that's one of them. That's definitely one. I would say in terms of a few others, it's, how much of your work are you engaged in, right? Like as an employee, we do a variety of different projects and tasks. And you want to ask yourself on a daily basis, how much am I super engaged in and how much am I disengaged in? And I generally, ideally want to see that, you know, 60 to 70% of the work you're super engaged in. So if you are finding that most of what you're doing is just, you're completely dreading it, it's making you want to rip your hair out and you just can't imagine doing this much longer, uh, then that's obviously definitely a sign. That's a big one. I would say another big one is thinking about internal mobility and growth paths. Is there an internal growth path that you see for yourself at that company where you're going, whether it's lateral movement or vertical movement, I want to move into a managerial position. I want to move you know, across to a different department. Do I see that internal path for myself here? And if not, that's definitely a big indicator that you know something is not right. And then I would say too, you know, we all hear the the term toxic work environment, but but it is it is an important one, right? If you're in a an environment where you just your manager is just you either don't get along with them or you're feeling like they're creating a really toxic culture, you're uncomfortable yeah. in any way, whether that's coming from a manager, whether that's coming from a coworker, those are all signs that it's definitely time to explore something new. Okay. Tell me when you're talking to clients, How often is it the misalignment of values that is the main reason for job switching? And how often does it pay? My guess, my assumption is that the values thing is typically actually a a bigger reason why people want to switch jobs. But then pay is also another reason. I think people are like, hey, cool. I actually don't mind my job. Maybe it's not perfect, but my goodness, it feels like I should be getting paid 30K more. What is that? Yeah. What does those conversations look like? It's a great question. I think, you know, I, I think on on a surf the surface, it, a lot of the times it's pay, right? And people kind of feel like, oh, I could be making a lot more than I am right now. But it's almost like then when you kind of take a deeper look at things, there's there's almost always a values misalignment too. Mm-hmm. So so pay feels like the easy thing because it's just it's it's so easy to evaluate it. But we never really think about or are taught, oh, let me think about my career values, right? It, it's not like a topic of conversation. So a lot of the times there's a misalignment there and we're just not aware of it. And it just requires some digging and some reflection and some, you know, like I, I call it doing like the self audit of yourself and, mm-hmm. and taking time to really think through all of that. That makes sense. It makes sense that so oftentimes we do think about pay because it's such a quantifiable thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the, those it's, other things it's, are it's a personal scorecard. Yeah. Like, like, 
how much of a raise did I get this year versus last year. But like you said, I love it's it's almost like a medical condition, like with your body. Like oftentimes you get a headache, like no matter what, yeah. whether you're dehydrated, whether you've got the flu, whether I don't know, all these things. A lot of times maybe the surface symptom might be something like a headache. But in reality, it's just yeah. like, wait a minute, let's talk about some of the deeper issues that are going on here. And I think that's totally true with what you're saying in regards yeah. to um, to values. But I mean, that being said, <laughs> we're we're out of money here, Eliana. Um, how? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> not how to not how to value. Although but, maybe we. But we want that for people, man. We could like switch that we, up. we want that for ourselves. For of sure. Course. Yeah. Of course. Well, and specifically, I'm curious because I feel like one of the first steps towards. I mean, obviously, you can go to different job postings and boards and different things and ask around and figure out maybe what it is that equivalent yeah. uh, similar positions are getting paid. But how would you recommend even to just bring up the topic of pay at work? Is that something that you recommend yeah. doing with coworkers? Does that seem like gossip? Do a lot of managers, um, do they disapprove of that kind of <laughs> that kind of talk? I'm curious to hear your thoughts and, and your experience. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's great because pay transparency is becoming a you know a much bigger topic right now, yeah. and people are getting more comfortable sharing those things. And I think it is important because there needs to be equity in that per- from that perspective. And we won't know what's going on unless we ask someone, right? So I, you know, I think it's it's like it's it depends on some people are much more comfortable talking about that than others. I would say like maybe if you have a coworker who you're really close with and who you feel comfortable with, then absolutely, you know, approach that conversation and and see what's going on, right? I wouldn't necessarily just be like going up to people or, you know, that that you're not as connected with. Oh, hey, like, let's talk about how much we're making, right? I like to do it at the urinal next to somebody (laughs) random. Uh, Hey, Jim, how much are you getting paid? You know, it's just, it's really fun. Yeah. I prefer the more PC uh, company-wide slack. But Joel, you, you, right. you be you, dude. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? Oh my God! In the, in the Slack, uh, they would yeah. people would be freaking out. But yeah, I think that it is an important conversation to be having, especially with your peers and and the people that are on the same level as you. To again, make sure you know, like, am I being underpaid? Right? You need to know that kind of information. I, I do also think it's important to have those conversations with your manager. They might not be as excited about having those conversations, and a lot of the time, it's also complicated for them, right? Like, they don't necessarily control those budgets, right? So they might have employees that they would love to pay more and would love to give a promotion or raise to, but there's a lot of people above them that are those decision makers. But I still think that if you do the proper market research, right? And it's pretty easy. There are so many like tools and resources out there to, to see, you know, based on my job title in the city that I'm in and my years of experience, what is the average pay for for the role that I'm in? Uh, and where am I falling in line with that? And if you're seeing that what you're getting paid is significantly below, then maybe from there you go to, okay, let me like tap a coworker of mine that I feel really comfortable with and see like, is this a company-wide thing or is this mm-hmm. just a me thing? And obviously, if it's a company-wide thing, it might be a little bit harder to to change things because now you're talking about, yeah, like company-wide changes. This just might be a company that like vastly underpays people, in which case you might just need to find something else. But skedaddle, if, yeah. Right, skedaddle, yeah. But if you are speaking to a coworker and you find out, oh, wow, no, they're getting paid significantly more than me for doing pretty much the same job, then it definitely requires a conversation with your manager in which, you know, you want to approach it respectfully and you're never going down and banging down someone's door saying, you have to pay me more, right? But Mm. there's a way that you can, you know, say, you know, like, 
um, I, based on some research that I've been doing and and some in conver- conversations I've had, I've come to find out that I am, you know, being paid a, a, a lot less than others in a similar role. And you know, I really work hard to bring value to this organization, and I'm appreciative of what you've provide of of what I've the opportunities I've had here, but I wanna make sure that, you know, I'm I'm being fairly compensated like everybody else, right? There's a way to have the conversation that is respectful and and from a confident standpoint, and that isn't just, you know, patronizing or demanding. So don't just slash your manager's tires when you find out you're getting underpaid. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I probably okay. wouldn't All recommend right. that. <clears throat> cool. Just wanna make sure for future <laughs> reference. Okay, so what about like, when you're counseling someone and they're trying to figure out what they do next, how often is it necessary to go about getting an additional degree or certification or something like that in order to get paid more? Um, like, you know, my wife is in grad school right now. She's mm-hmm. studying to become a therapist. Like, yeah, that's kind of a necessity, right? You can't oh, just yeah. like 100%. call yourself a therapist and start doing the work. Um, <laughs> you get in trouble for that, I hear. So yeah, how, how often is are, are you steering people in that direction? Well, okay, wait, if, if that's really what you wanna do or if you wanna get paid at that level, you're gonna need some more training. Yeah. Yeah. This is another really big misconception. And and like you said before, obviously your wife wants to be a therapist a hundred percent. We got to go to school for that. And obviously we know all the, the degrees like becoming a lawyer, becoming a doctor, right? Like there are certain things that, you know, there's no way around that. Uh, but I do think that there is this immediate uh, desire, not even desire, but like pressure to get additional schooling and get more education and certifications and all these various things that a lot of the time is not necessary. And I always tell my clients because they'll come to me and say, say, I want to do this. Do you think I should get this certificate? Do you think I should go get this master's degree? And I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes. Let's really do the market research first to figure out whether that is even necessary, right? What's the ROI going to be? There's a lot of people with MBAs and they just assume that that's going to meaningfully increase their income and that's just not nearly the, that's exactly. not always the case exactly I have I mean I not to you know get down on people who have their MBAs and I know that they're very proud of it but sure. I think oh, yeah. that that's a degree that in a lot of scenarios again there are unique situations but in most scenarios isn't as necessary and I think MBAs in general are are, are an, a means to you know build a network and develop connections that can help mm-hmm. you in that next phase of your career. But I'm also a belie- big believer that anyone can build a network and develop connections on their own, and you don't need to go to school for that. Right? Again, I'm not nice. downplaying the significance of it. I know that there there that some people love it, and if you love going to school, then power to you. Right? But don't feel like you have to do something in order to secure that next job. All right, I'm that. going to my this, elementary school kids. So I want to say it's time to drop out. Let's. <laughs> well, I like what you said, especially too early. Like it, make, it can make sense, especially if you are into learning. Like if you are, if, yeah. you, if you have always been a good student, or maybe now yeah. that you have something that you are really excited about, maybe now you will be a great student. But it's not. It shouldn't necessarily be a default assumption. I, I love this more scrappy yeah. approach to it. But uh, Eliana, like. Let's just say we've, you know, we've taken some of your tips, you know, we've asked around, we know that our yeah. current job's not paying, so I'm going to, you know, put some applications out. Mm-hmm. You land an interview. I haven't interviewed for a job in yeah. like over 18 years. <laughs> uh, and I feel like a lot has changed, yeah. especially in the past decade. And so what do folks need to know in order to prepare if it's just been forever since they've actually had a job interview. We were recently talking yeah. to a friend of ours and first step is make sure you're on time. <laughs> He's going to he was cutting it close and so he parked in front of a fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was willing to get the ticket cuz he's like I I can't be late for the interview. 
in his case, he lucked out. But for everybody else <laughs> out there, aside from making sure that you show up early, uh, what tips do you have for folks? Yeah, I, I got a lot of inter interview tips for sure. So I would say first impressions count and they're very important. So obviously showing up on time is, is part of that. But it's I forget exactly what the statistics is, statistic is, but there's a statistic around like, how many hiring managers make a decision within the first five or so minutes of the interview. Meaning that the way you answer those first few questions is gonna be really, really important, right? And what are the first few questions usually? It's tell me about yourself, which is virtually what's your elevator pitch? And people do not spend enough time prepping for that question. They just think, oh, you know, tell me about yourself. Oh, let me dive into a five minute tangent all about my career, right? <laughs> it was um, a cold, snowy night exactly. when I was born. Exactly, and, and you've lost your your interviewer. Your interviewer is like, oh my God, I'm, I'm bored already, right? Um, <laughs> so tell me about yourself, why this company and why why this industry, right? Like why this role, why this company, why this industry? So those are usually the those first four questions. And so I'm very much about like, let's make a strong first impression. Let's hook them from the beginning so that they're engaged and they're wanting to continue the conversation. So really work on your elevator pitch. And when you think about an elevator pitch, you really wanna think about how can I make this elevator pitch relevant to the role that I am applying for? Again, like people make that mistake if they think that they need to tell their entire career history. But if part of your career history is irrelevant to this role, they don't care, right? Don't tell them yeah. that. So you got to really customize your answers to the role that you're applying for. So that's a really big one um, that I emphasize with people. Another really important one is to know your gaps, right? For every candidate, you generally don't check every single box. And quite frankly, you shouldn't check every box. If you check every box, you're going to plateau really quickly in this role and you're going to be bored out of your mind, right? There should be room for growth. So you want to know what are some of those gaps? What are some of the, call it like, potential red flags that interviewer has about you? Because there's always going to be something. And how can you proactively get ahead of that, right? So they're not the ones bringing it up and saying, well, you know, we noticed this about you or you mentioned you don't have this experience, right? And then immediately you're almost like put on the defensive and then maybe you stutter, how do I, how do I respond to this? When you know what those gaps might be, you can proactively bring it up and address it in a really confident way, right? And be hmm. able to say, hey, you know, you know, I wanted to address this because I know this was something that was mentioned on the job description. And, you know, while I don't have this ne experience directly necessarily, here's why I really truly don't believe that's an issue and why I know I'll still be able to deliver in this role. Like just presenting that level of confidence, they're gonna go, oh, okay, like that that, that was great, you know, and now I'm I'm less concerned about it. So so those are a couple things to think about as you're going in to prepare for an interview. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. Super helpful. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Matt, like, I don't know, I, I kind of hope I never have to interview ever, <laughs> anywhere ever again, but a lot of people will, especially yeah. with kind of our generation, millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. How, we're going to have a lot more jobs than our parents did. Yep. So we, we don't want to touch on that and get to some questions on that. And you actually say there's an opportunity cost to staying too long at your job, too. I want to mm -hmm. dig in on that. We'll get to some questions on that front right after this break.
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage we've all got to do it minimize the junk that we have in our house emily and i we just cleaned our closets out it took hours but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back from the break and we're talking about getting paid in a career that you do, in fact, love with Eliana Goldstein and uh, Eliana the. It, like, just generally speaking, like the, the dynamic between employer and employee, it's changed a great deal over the past few years. You were touching on that and how it's been incredibly dynamic. Yeah. I'll just say that. And most of our listeners, like they're going to have a slew of different jobs. I think far more than people who are 30 years their senior and switching jobs. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about because that can lead to a significant pay raise. Yep. But how often can someone take that tactic? Because at a certain point, like it seems like it's going to come back to bite you. Mm. I would yeah. love to hear you just uh, tackle this topic. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it, it's there's a healthy balance. And 
I don't recommend staying in a job just so that you can ensure you've been there long enough and it looks good from a resume perspective if that job is making you miserable, right? Like don't just, I've, I've heard people, oh, I can't leave this job. I've only been there for 14 months. I literally am crying myself to sleep every night, but I gotta make it another 10 months. No, yeah. we don't need to do that, right? But at the same time, we shouldn't just be like looking to jump to a new job every one to two years. So we got to kind of figure out what is that healthy balance. I would say, realistically, if you can find a company that you really love, that you're enjoying the work you're doing, and that is that you're paying, that's paying you well, that's the ideal, right? I think there's also there's a big misconception that with. Uh, millennials and Gen Z that all we want to do is job hop. The truth is that most employees would like to stay at a place, you know, for a long period of time, assuming they have the growth potential and the growth opportunities mm -hmm. there. But sure. hmm. if you're someone who, you know, is kind of like, what's the ideal number to, you know, or to, to think about how often I should switch jobs, I would say, you know, probably call it like every three to four years, I think is is realistic. Okay. Nice. You, you you mentioned there's an opportunity cost to staying yeah. at your job too long. Matt and I talk about the opportunity cost of money all the time on the show. So like, what's the opportunity yeah. cost to your career if you end up staying in the, the same place too long? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's the obvious one that you guys were just mentioning from, from a, you know, from a salary perspective that if you aren't being paid or compensated fairly and you're not getting promotions and raises that are, you know, more than just like the, the rate of inflation, right? Then you need to be be moving elsewhere, right? And then you need to be able to get those pig big pay raises, which are often, you know, can be like ten or twenty percent when you when you switch jobs. But beyond that, there's also the the skill set decline. So when you're staying in a role that you're really not enjoying, that just isn't engaging you, your skills start to plateau, and then you become a less marketable candidate because you're not consistently upskilling and developing, you know, new skill right. sets. So that's a really big one for sure. Um, what are some other ones? I also think just generally when you are at a job that's making you really miserable, it starts to bleed into other areas of your life, right? I think like we all know the person who hates their job and just vents about it 24 seven. And that has a really big, call it opportunity cost and impact on your mental health. It has an impact sure. on your relationships and the people around you. So I think it's, you know, it's so important to think about salary and being able to boost our salary by job hopping. But there are other, you know, factors as well well to, to when we stay in a job too long, that can be detrimental. That's right. Okay, I'm going to adjust a couple of things. First, did I hear you say that most folks can expect like somewhere between like 10 and 20% when they do move to a, a, another company? Is that fairly typical? Uh, yeah, I would say it's fairly typical. Obviously, I, I'd say like 10 to 20% on average with, you know, some people, maybe it's less, but I, I mean, I've seen people increase their salary by like 50 or 60%, Significantly more. right? Right. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and the other thing I was going to say, too, is you're kind of talking about how millennials in particular, and, and certainly even with Gen Z, how you're saying that, like, I don't think they're necessarily only looking for, to increase their pay. But what's right. interesting, I, it, it makes me think back to what you were saying earlier and how oftentimes we do revert to our salary because it is something yeah. that you can look at and put your finger on and it's so clearly identifiable. And I yeah. like, and even I think there might be a few instances where it takes a few job hops oh, to yeah. realize that that isn't going to solve all your problems, to realize that, oh man, actually it is about the people. Like, I don't know, the, the people at the first job I had were awesome. And the last two jobs, the people have been terrible. Well, boom, all of a sudden you've identified that to, to work in a collaborative environment is important to you. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like a, 
I don't know. Have you seen people kind of go through this process where they realize what it is that's important to them that and that it's not just about the pay? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, in a lot of the work that I do, it's it's helping people make those realizations yeah, that it's, yeah. sometimes it's not just the easy fix of, oh, I'm going to make more money and all my problems are going to be solved, right? It feels easy to say that, but you have to be, you know, like a lot of the times when someone's unhappy in their career and they assume that they need a new job, they immediately go to, okay, you know what? I'm unhappy. I'm not making enough money, whatever it is. I need a new job. Let me go update my resume and let me just like send it out to a hundred places, see if I get any bites. Maybe they're lucky enough that they get some interviews from those interviews, they get an offer, they move on to that next job. And then six months in a year later, they feel exactly the same, right? You know, maybe they're making a little bit more money, but like you said, they're realizing, oh, it's not just about the money. And a lot of what I, I try to tell people is that prior to making any type of change, whether it's a big pivot, whether it's a small pivot, whether it's you know staying in the same exact role, but in a, going to a new company, you have to pause and really do that introspection and reflection and ask yourself, what is it that I enjoy about my role and was it what is it that I don't enjoy? You know, what are again like career values? What are the things that are what are my non-negotiables? What is important to me so that you can really figure out and gain the clarity on what exactly am I looking for? And then be able to kind of almost vet opportunities against that to give yourself more of an assurance that, okay, in this next move, I'm actually going to be a lot happier than I am right now and get paid better than I am right now. Yeah. There's, there's been a, obviously a lot talked about about networking and how important that is to your yeah. ability to kind of score the, the job that you want. And it, it certainly seems like that's how a, a decent chunk of people end up getting the next position that is going to yeah. pay them more it is it's the people who they know maybe they've worked with before they moved on to another company whatever mm-hmm. uh, so how, how important is that and also i guess i would love to hear you touch on resumes and it certainly seems like ai is more involved yep. in kind of reading resumes these days like mm-hmm. how do we game our resume to get the interview as opposed to kind of getting it kicked to the curb yeah so so touching on networking you know you said it seems like a lot of folks are doing this Networking, relationship building is the way to get jobs. This is so much of what I focus on. Um, I'm a very big believer that spending your time applying for jobs online is quite literally a huge waste of time, especially <laughs> in this market that it, that is still very competitive, right? Um, so I really like to focus on, and like one statistic I always tell my clients is that in a survey that was done, I don't remember if it was by Indeed. I forget exactly who who conducted it, but or this this study, this you know project showed that um, referrals account for seven percent of job applications, yet they they drive forty percent of the hires. Hmm. Whereas standard application methods like applying for jobs online, job sites, things like that, account for 75% of job applications, yet they're only driving 36% of the hires. Hmm. So really like the, I always say like, hey, what bucket do you wanna play in? You wanna play in the bucket that's less saturated, right? Less applications are coming from there, but it's driving a much higher percentage of hires. So it's really, really important to focus on that tactic and also to not limit yourself to, Oh, who do I already know, right? Oh, this ex coworker of mine ended up at, you know, ABC company. Let me talk to them. You can always develop new connections, right? We're lucky to live in a world and generation where we have access to things like LinkedIn, where there are 
millions and millions and millions of people there who are a message away, right? There's who's to say that you can't like develop a new connection with someone at a company you really want to work for or learn more about and have a conversation with them, right? So so really thinking about that and like expanding the network beyond who you're already connected with is a really big one. Um, and what I like to focus on with people. And then in terms of AI, yeah, you know, you know, speaking of, of resumes and everything, like there's a lot of schools of thought that the resume is like soon going to go extinct, that it just doesn't play as important of a role. I, obviously, that's not the case right now. Like most places, you're still going to need to use a resume. But I think because of AI and how it's it's virtually leveled the playing field, right? Now, anybody can have a good resume. Anybody can go on ChatGPT and, you know, put in some of their skill sets and what they've done and, and have, you know, ChatGPT help you spit out some great bullets. I know there are a lot of people who are like, very against that and who think that there's a huge problem with with AI from that perspective. But because it's so easy for anyone to have a strong and competitive resume, it makes it even less significant, right? So again, and that goes by back to why networking is so important uh, and developing those relationships. And if you do want to get your resume in front of a hiring manager, the best way to do that is through a referral who can say, hey, you know, my friend Matt is wonderful and I think would be a great fit from a team perspective, from a culture perspective. He's going to send in his resume. Please be on the lookout for it. It's amazing how the old school way is still is still the modern way of getting a job. Especially um, when there's, I mean, there's just even more noise because of AI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just exactly. something that the search engines are are being faced with. But Can I just highlight one thing too, oh, Elliot? I love this one thing you said at one point. You said the best job seekers get the job. It's not the people who have like who are the most credentialed necessarily. Yeah. And I think sometimes yeah. people think, oh, it's hey my my like my resume speaks for itself. Uh, but yeah. that's. Sorry, that's not what's going to get you the job having exactly. the best resume. You've got exactly. to have kind of all of these other things baked in as well, or else, yeah. hey, that resume, sorry, it didn't make it in front of anybody's eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. And exactly like you're saying, like a lot of people right now, like we have an incredibly competitive job market, right? There's still like the layoffs of last year, especially in industries like tech, like there's still a lot of like very qualified talent out there whose resume is just as good, if not better than yours, right? So you can't rely on, oh, I hope that hiring manager who has thousands of applications that they're getting for that one role is going to see my resume, right? Like that's, we can't rely on that. We got to get more scrappy and we got to get, you know, more aggressive in how we approach it. Yeah, and I think so much of that is just mindset as well. It's like you proactively going out there and making something happen as opposed to taking a more passive role, which is sort of what just applying online and submitting your resume. Yep. That, that's right. sort of what that feels like. And just and, crossing your fingers and, and hoping. We'll see if the gods, if the, if the career <laughs> gods ordain it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's one of those things that you feel, oh, well, I sent out 15 job applications today. I w- did a lot of work, right? Like we feel like that mm. was really purposeful and a good use of our time. But if you sent out 15 applications and no one looked at them, you just completely wasted your time, <laughs> exactly. right? So. Yeah, well, okay. So I'm, I'm curious. So like we're talking about kind of being aggressive and kind of really getting after it. Being proactive, I guess, essentially, yeah. is, is sort of how I'm trying to segue. <laughs> but we've yep. talked about the steps that we take in order to get paid more or to find a job with a different company. But like, how does someone know that it's time to take the reins and to make a big move, right? Like, how does someone know that it's time to completely shift gears and just look to yeah. a completely new career? You talked about how you did that, but you pulled like a 180, and you said that you couldn't see yourself working uh, two or three more years doing the same thing you were doing, let alone yeah. 
like a whole decade. Does it just yeah. get do you get to a tipping point, like this breaking point and to where you're kind of fed up with it? How else does somebody know whether or not they should be switching things up? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, and I know this sounds like overly simplistic, but I th- think the first question is when you're feeling unhappy in your careers, ask yourself why, right? Is it, you know, strictly like, you know what, I actually like like a lot of what I do, but I am just being vastly underpaid and maybe just a switch to a better paying company is going to fix things for me. Or am I, remember I talked about areas of engagement and areas of disengagement in the beginning. Am I feeling and noticing that I am disengaged by, you know, 90% of the work that I'm doing, that these projects, these tasks that I'm doing on a daily basis are just not for me anymore. And I really just don't enjoy it. And that that might make you think, oh, this is not just just this job. This is actually the career that I'm in and I need to do something different. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And again, you're not going to enjoy 100% of what you do, but if you're not enjoying majority of what you do, that is significant, right? So I like to do kind of what I, what I call like the self audit and really thinking about, okay, where am I engaged? Where am I disengaged? Evaluate those things. And then see, maybe I'm noticing that in that 10% of the work I do enjoy doing. And then you want to say, okay, what is that 10% and why, right? What is like, what is the data that I can leverage to execute on this next move? You know, maybe I work in like a, a client of mine was worked in graphic design, right? And she wanted to make a pivot and she was trying to figure out, okay, you know, what do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy? And she noticed that Every year she was in charge of hiring seasonal employees during the summer for these, you know, specific projects that they had. And she really focused on, you know, recruiting and hiring and onboarding. And she really recognized that she like gravitated towards all these HR functions, mm. even though it was only like 10% of her role. But she realized with that, okay, you know what? It might make sense for me to explore and make a pivot into HR. So just that that exercise, area where am I engaged, where am I disengaged, can help in figuring out, okay, do I need to just make like a little switch to something else, or do I need to make a much larger pivot? I love that. I think those are excellent questions to ask yourself. Eliana, we've got a few more for you specifically. We want to might kind of find our way talking about working from home since so many folks yeah. are interested in that. We'll get to all that and more right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out cachava. Just go to cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back from the break. We're still talking with Eliana Goldstein, talking about getting paid in the career that you love. Hopefully, you're able to enjoy your work, get paid Really well for doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's truly, (laughs) that's the goal. And here, you know what, in the greatest country in the history of the world, Matt, the United States of America, that is possible. I just want to say that. Um, (laughs) Eliana, I want to talk about work from home. Man, there's been some really interesting stats that have come out recently that Matt and I have talked about on the podcast about people who work from home full time. And hybrid work seems to kind of be the way a whole lot of businesses have found themselves structuring the Mm -hmm. the work week for many of their employees. But... um, Man, it certainly seems like people who work from home full time have fewer opportunities for advancements, less opportunity to get paid more, and more of a likelihood of getting laid off before their counterparts who are in the office Mm -hmm. full time or even part time. So how how do you talk to people who come to you for counseling? Is it worth it? (laughs) Right. I mean, like, great. Uh, How nice is it to be able to avoid the commute? Yes, of course. But there's also the potential negative trade-offs. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that needs to be thought about for sure. And look, I think that a company that is still 100% remote, my guess is that this, I mean, it makes sense. Like if you're 100% remote, this isn't as much an issue. So we really are, like you were saying before, we're talking about hybrid work environments where maybe there's the option to come into the office and some employees are, and then for some employees, they're, they're choosing to stay from home. So obviously, if you are at a company where there is the option to go in and you are choosing to stay working from home, you need to be then be thoughtful about what you're doing while you're working from home, right? And you need to make an additional effort to create that internal visibility when you're not physically in the office. So, Mm. you know, a a lot of the reasons why these people are like, if you're in the office, you're going to get promoted more quickly and you're going to be able to have those growth opportunities and you're going to be less likely to be laid off is because it is easier to have that internal visibility. You can go walk into your manager's office or you can go to like the CMO, whoever it is, and just like create that connection there. 
And that helps in terms of like having your name thrown in the ring for a potential promotion. Oh, Sally, of course I know Sally. We were talking to her neck last week. Like, yeah, let's 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 give her that that raise that she deserves versus Fred, who I haven't seen in six months, right? Like it, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But I still do believe that you can create that internal visibility while you're working from home. And you know, I often say like when you first start a new job those first, call it 90 days, are gonna be really significant. And one of the first things that you wanna do is get your hands on an org chart, if you can, and really be able to identify, okay, who do I think are the key players in my department? Who are the key players in this department that I'm working with? Who are some of like the senior leaders that I think are going to be important? And make the time to get in front of those people, even if it is virtually, right? Like getting on Slack or like uh, Teams, whatever it is that you use and being like, hey, you know, I'm new here. I know that you're working on this project or you're on this team. Like would love to, you know, just set up 15 minutes to have a quick conversation with you and see, you know, where I can add value from the get-go as I start this new job, right? That, That can be really helpful. So you just have to like, if you're gonna be working remotely and make that decision, then you do need to make an extra effort to do those types of things. Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like the things that happen naturally in the office, you have to kind of yeah. catalyze and, and make them happen mm-hmm. from afar. And, yeah. and I think, like, yeah, you're, we talk about the trade-offs of that, but guess what? Working from home full-time for some people, depending on how far they live from their job and stuff, plus it opens it opens up the floodgates to other potential jobs they might not be able to to get in, you exactly. know, like you can apply for exactly. jobs across the country now, yep. thanks to work from home. Yeah, how, how, uh, I, I guess I want to ask you about that too. Is how broad of a net should you cast? Should be you be looking purely for jobs that are where you are? Should you be looking all the way in like Idaho or where Nebraska, wherever wherever jobs are across the country in a field that you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're 100% committed to working remotely and that's what you want to do, then like you said, like the advantage is you do you can cast a really wide net and you can be in New York and look for a job in Idaho, right? As long as like the job is relevant, right? You want to yeah. focus specifically on jobs that are, you know, relevant towards what you want to do. But I say go for it. Like the more opportunities, the better if that is something that, that you ultimately want to do. But just as we're discussing, you have to then be aware that with that, there is more of a responsibility on your end to to create that internal visibility yeah. when you are working 100% remotely. I love that. Are there are there any other ways? Any do you have any other tips to increase that visibility? I guess I think about one. I remember hearing somebody talk about the meeting before the meeting, and so oftentimes when it when it comes to Zoom, they were talking about, hey, go ahead and jump in there early because the ability for you to kind of have some of that banter is the kind of small talk that you would have in the office. So so in a very real tangible way, you are able to kind of not imitate that but you're yeah. providing at least providing space for that i would love to hear if you have any other any other tips where folks can somehow achieve that yeah i love that tip i think it's very important i also think you know it's all about communication and it's about letting people know that you are growth minded and that you want to be there for the long term, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're, that's why I say like the first 90 days are really significant in a new role. And I think a lot of the times people start a new role and they're just focused on onboarding. Let me, you know, like get, you know, like my feet on the ground, but advocate early on for, you know, internal growth opportunities and, and letting your manager know, especially when you're remote, like, hey, I'm really excited about it. This is a type of work that I really enjoy. This is where I think I can add the most value. This is where, you know, I'd love to see myself grow in the next two to three years in the role. Just show, just talking about that and letting them know that you, you know, you are thinking long-term 
is going to like create a certain connotation in their mind in terms of how they see you, right? Don't just like get the new job and then be like, okay, I'm, I'm remote. Let me slink off and like do as little as I possibly can, right? You, you got to make that extra effort and you have to have it be known what it is that you want to achieve within that role. Truth. I think like another big call, I know I've said misconception a hundred times on this episode, but a lot of the times we think that our work will speak for itself, right? You know, I'm in a role, I'm doing what's expected of me, I'm hitting my goals. That should be enough to get the promotions I want. That should be enough to get the raises that I want and make more money. But again, unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. And you have to tell people what it is that you want, right? You can't just let the work speak for itself. If you're doing everything necessary, but you're finding like, oh, I'm not getting the raise that I thought I was gonna get, that means you probably have to have a conversation and and you know share with your manager hey this is what I would like you know you have to participate in that self-advocacy in order to grow in your career and that's why kind of similar to the notion of you know it's not always the most qualified candidate it's the best job seeker it's the mm-hmm. same thing at work you know we always it's like Joe Schmo is always getting promoted and you're like Joe Schmo's not that good at his job why is he always getting promoted right but he's why probably is it always Janice yeah exactly it's always Janice it's probably because Janice is really good at self-advocating yeah. and she's also really good at creating that internal visibility right so there are a lot of you know call it like playing the game um but there are a lot of other factors we have to think about when it comes to being able to to grow you know exponentially more quickly in our careers makes me think of pro wrestlers uh you know they're so good at promoting themselves (laughs) it's like that they're so flashy and it's always like can you smell what the rock is cooking and they're always you know it's all about 100 percent about the flash it's about the individual and so yeah yeah, you probably don't want to be quite that brash in your self-promotion but no i see the importance it's it's a good distinction though because yeah you need to not only do the work that your job requires but you also need to work on your job like 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 the it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that, like you said, that we have to advocate for ourselves. But Eliana, this has just been an awesome conversation. I think our, our listeners certainly have learned a lot. But where can they go if they're wanting to learn more? I think you've got a lot to offer. Tell folks where it is that they should find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can always connect with me on Instagram. That's kind of where I spend a lot of my time. And it's just my name, Eliana underscore Goldstein. Same thing like across all social media social media channels. You know, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, always shoot me a message. Shoot me a DM. And I have a ton of resources to help people, you know, grow in their careers. So don't hesitate to reach out. That's where Eliana works. It's where she buys her face cream. She spends a lot of time on that Instagram. Right? <laughs> now you see why I have a problem. That's right. I that's right. Too much time on Instagram. Oh, just going logging on to do some work. Oops. Got some face cream exactly. too. Exactly. Yeah. Eliana, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. Eliana, she was not messing around and it makes me want to not mess around right now. So, Joel, what was your big takeaway for uh, <laughs> from I, this conversation, from, I, from our episode? I'd prefer to goof off for a few seconds at least, man. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, there's like, jam-packed, so much good information she, there. Yeah. If you care about making more money and enjoying your work more, I think she's a great person to listen to. you enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, I think um, my big takeaway was when she said, relationship building is the way it was like all caps the um and i was like i think she's right i mean i think of course you heard that you being a super relational um, person yes yeah you're like oh, oh i will write of course that i gravitate towards that uh but i do, I do think, think it's true though i think it's true when it comes yeah. to uh when it comes to job opportunities when it comes to you know, a career pivot whatever it's it's who you know and it's those close relationships um that you develop over time and it's maintaining those we talk about that you know, networking, it, it's a really, really, really crucial part of you being able to continue on in your career in the way you want to. Absolutely. And it's not something that happens 
it kind of sort of happens around the water cooler but that's not enough <laughs> you have to be really intentional about it yeah. and well, uh, especially given the fact that so many folks are working from home so there are other ways that you've got to be smart about it and they you mean, gotta like triple down on it if you work from home right yeah and i love how she was just talking about making yourself visible that's not gonna be my big takeaway but i feel like that that is a big part of that networking if you are yeah. working from home if you aren't there in person where some of these more natural or more default modes of getting to know your employees or your employers or, or your supervisors yeah. and bosses or coworkers, whatever. I mean, yeah. and, and I think mm. it's a really good idea to, to put it as a calendar reminder, like every Monday morning or Thursday morning or whatever works best for you. Spend five or 10 minutes, like e- email or text two people or make a, a quick phone call and say, Hey, Sheila, how you doing? Like um, whatever. I think those personal touch points can just have this massive impact it over time. It's a long way. It's what our friend Jordan Harbinger calls digging the well before you're thirsty. And I think it's just such a good way to put it. And, uh, I think she's right. Relationship building is the way. It's key. All right. So my big takeaway, I love, I'm not going to go into this, but I love how she was just talking about the values, like thinking through the values that you are looking for oh, yeah. when it comes to your work. But that being said, I'm going to go from that, which feels a little more ethereal to something super practical. And I feel like her tips when it came to interviewing, the interviewing process were so good. And maybe this is, again, revealing the fact that I haven't interviewed in so long, but they're going to ask you to tell us about yourself. And so that's, like she said, an elevator pitch. We need to have that dialed in. And then also... Do it in front of the mirror. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, in, in, in front of your friend or, or partner. Yeah. And she also talked about just the first impressions, uh, other early interview questions. Why are you a good fit for this role? Why, why are you a good fit for this company? But then also for the industry as a whole. And to just sort of craft your message. Obviously, you're not changing who you are, but man, how can you demonstrate and show your employer or whoever it is that's hiring you that you are going to be a great fit for this company. Uh, these need to be things that you think about ahead of time. And that really, yeah, it really stood out to me. You know what? Uh, so Emily is currently interviewing for internship positions and going on the website of the potential employer and looking, look at the about us page, look at the mission, look at the values. So that you looking can, at the language that yeah, they use. So you even. can spit some of those things back out. Well, yeah. you guys say, you guys say on your site, or I've heard other folks who work here say that this is a really important part of the mission of this organization. Guess what i'm down with let me that. tell you why i love that approach <laughs> right. yes uh-huh. and and it just takes so good. an extra few minutes worth of research that most people don't do uh, that, that's going to help you stand out and they're going to be like oh you're speaking our language you're our kind of person mm-hmm. so yeah i love that i love that good advice uh, all right matt let's get back to the beer we had on this episode this one's called boat drinks volume seven is a highly tropical uh sour beer what are your thoughts on this one I'll just say that this is the kind of beer that gets me excited for some warmer weather, dude. This <laughs> yeah. tastes like a drink that you should be like a rum-based cocktail that you're enjoying poolside. It's got those pineapple notes. It's called Pineapp- boat drinks for a reason. Yeah, pineapple, banana, rum. These are all the <laughs> the, the non-beer flavor notes that I'm, I'm pulling out of this beer. But yeah, yeah it was a, a smoothie style sour. But uh, w- your thoughts? No, I love. You dig it? So good, so so good. And honestly, it's a style that I feel like you don't have a lot of. Or if you do have something that's kind of in this vein, it's not pulled off nearly this well. So. This is- really really good yeah. <laughs> highly delicious sometimes too they get they can get overly thick to where it feels like you're eating or drinking well maybe i'll go back and say yes eating one of those uh, like oddwalla i always oh, yeah. say the oddwalla but you know like some of those smoothies that are just so thick and it takes you have to it's like, like a bunch of fruit puree like up. beat it out of the, the bottom of the bottle if you're, you're pouring it out but that's not the case it packs all that flavor without it weighing heavy in your mouth and yeah. made it a beer that i certainly enjoyed another great one from piedmont brewery down there in macon for sure agreed uh all right that's gonna do it for this episode and actually eliana has a, a course that she offers it's 295 dollars, but there's 
uh, $100 off right now if you use a How to Money code. We'll, we'll put all that information up in the show notes that's for this right. episode up at howtomoney.com. But Matt, that's going to do it. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.